1: From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz CoV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome, really great to be here with you. I'm Nadine Blaney. And today, well, it was just one of those sessions. We had it foreshadowed by the sell-off that happened late in the session in New York on Friday. So it was a mixed picture on Wall Street. Nothing too negative. I don't want to over egg it. And considering we had such a stretch of wins, in fact, the local market was up by 3% last week, it perhaps shouldn't come as a shock that markets needed to take just a breath, just a pause. And this isn't a steep fall by any stretch of the imagination when you put things into context. However, must be said that the SIBO Australia index did end lower on this Monday. We only have four full trading days left before the Christmas holiday. And of course, markets do return for a bit before heading off for New Year's again. So, look, let's see if the Santa Claus rally can get back into form tomorrow. Uh, Look, one hallmark of today so far, we'll see if it's the week, was all of the M&A activity. I had a really good chat with Benjamin Yeo, from more Australia as to what's driving the a activity but really it came up in most conversation with market watchers and because we did see a bid coming through for Link we did see a bid coming through for Adbry, I mean these are market stalwarts right and uh, look it appears as if the offers on the table aren't too shabby now whether or not it will run into regulatory concerns or scrutiny from the competition commission at who knows? That was a theme that Ben said we'll be watching out for in 2024 because theoretically, when you have these big mergers and takeovers happening, that could reduce competition in those industries. So MA Monday is one of our key themes. Stocks just taking a bit of a breather. Of course, the last of the day's trades are going through the S&P ASX 200. We'll update you on that by the end of this program and of course if you're listening in podcast form don't forget if we mention any interviews that we've done throughout the day today you can always catch up online on demand at ausbiz.com.au. Now, I think it's worthwhile mentioning as well, and we'll get to this later in the program, just the data that is still to come. Now, here locally, there's not a lot. RBA Minutes tomorrow, probably the biggest data set, or at least an informative piece on the economy on the horizon. But we do have inflation data coming from Canada, and the Bank of Canada has said that it wouldn't hesitate to lift rates again if needed. We also have inflation coming in Uh, in the United States. So this isn't the core PCE, or it isn't the core inflation rate, but it is the PCE deflator, and that is closely watched. And so, uh, considering we did see some of those Fed governors, pouring a little bit of cold water on that Fed pivot to end the week, which is what sapped the market of some of its momentum, uh, inflation data will just be so crucial. These these Fed speakers and central bankers really around the world, you can include the BOE, you can include the ECB in there and the RBA, are telling us over and over again that they are data Dependent. I had a good chat as well today with Brian Parker, who joined us from the Australian Retirement Fund, about the economy and about asset allocation. He reckons there is a possibility of an additional interest rate hike coming from the RBA, again based on inflation and also says that, you know, if the Fed were to cut rates aggressively in 2024, as the market is still pricing, that would be indicative of a pretty big turn coming through in, U- in the U.S. economy. And I just wrapped up a conversation with Mark Gardner from MPC Markets, who said, and I haven't really talked about this with many guests, that when you see a turn happening in the U.S. nonfarm payroll report, it can be very swift and it can be very severe. Again, that interview will be getting up online if it's not there already in very short order. All right, let's get to the performance though of some of these sectors. When you look at the market overall today, yes, it's negative, Uh, but the most negative sector at all are the REITs. Now we did have a bit of news in relation to Stockland, it is buying some master plan communities from Lendlease. But I would say that the overall underperformance of the REIT sectors, because it's such an interest rate sensitive sector also because it's been doing quite well based on these uh, expectations for interest rate cuts coming through in 2024. I had a chat with Harry Watt from Market Matters and Sean Partners who named, uh, I think it was three, yeah, it was three REITs that they're looking at good value heading into 2024. He reckons there are still legs in this rally that we've seen in the REITs overall, I suppose just not today. Uh, Retailers uh, look under, well, if you look at the consumer discretionaries, outperformers, if you look at the consumer staples, underperformers, so the consumer staples were down overall by about three quarters of 1%, while the consumer discretionaries were up by about 10%. Energy was weighed upon, it was down by about half a percent. We had the banks also, well, looking a little bit more mixed by the end of the session, uh, but still flat to um, to negative. And the best performing sector overall was the healthcare space, CSL. Well, you can thank them for that, but also Neuron Pharmaceuticals. Some even call it the next CSL. Look there, Ramsey Health and Telex, also into positive territory. So taking a look at some of these companies. Okay, Neurin, so yeah, these phase one, two, three trials are often a binary outcome, but when they are positive, as it seems, this one was overall, it's for the treatment of uh, one of the syndromes. Um, it It just went, you know, parabolic up by 30%. I had the real pleasure Of speaking with John Pilcher who's the long-term CEO of the company and so he told us what's next he told us uh, you know what hurdles still have to be overcome and also what's on the boil in relation to some of their other product. So yeah, really worthwhile interview if you'd like to check that out. They also discussed it on the call today, guests were Grady Wolf from Bell Direct and Gaurav Sodi from the Intelligent Investor. Link Group uh, announced that Mitsubishi UFJ is set to acquire the company for $2.10 cash per share. And that brings us to the bottom of the screen, Adbry up by a whopping 30, 31%. Uh, because it too has had a takeover from CRH and its major shareholder, Borrow Group, uh, valuing it at $2.1 billion, really indicative of some of these companies that have lagged the market being seen as good value by some out there in the space. And again, we spoke with Grady Wolf and Gaurav Sodhi about AdBry. It was the stock of the day.
0: businesses are little local monopolies because you have to move vast quantities of low value material from quarries um, to production facilities. You can't really import um, heavy bags of of, of raw gear because it costs too much and very low value. So everywhere you go all over the world, you find these little cement monopolies. Adbury Adbury used to be one of them, but they've um, disintermediated a little bit. They've sold off one of their best divisions and the business has never really recovered. So Ah. we always thought that the Barrow family would make a move on on this, because it has looked cheap, but it's also been a worse business. So we've never bought it, um, but uh, this does not surprise me at all. The valuation looks fine to me. I'm glad to see them pay a big heavy premium because um, they are exercising control of the business. I think they're doing well to other shareholders. If I was a shareholder, I would um, stay around. And
2: they're implying a um, 9% increase in a EBITDA for the second half. So it's looking pretty good. Um, again, with this company, like you'd want to sit there and you'd want to take. Obviously, the bid looks really good. It's a premium. So, yeah, you're looking at a hold right yeah. now.
1: So, a bit of agreement there when it comes from our expert guests on AdBry. So, as I mentioned, Nurin was also discussed on that program as well. And it was a buy call for Gaurav Sodi from Intelligent Investor. Well, let's get to Josh Gilbert from eToro. He's joining us now with more on the markets front. So, yeah, um, I've said breather, take a breather, pause for breath like a million different ways and times today. How do you read the session that was?
2: Yeah, you might have hit the nail on the head with one of of them there. It was exactly that yeah just you know obviously coming on the back of what was maybe a bit of a lackluster session under the us on friday that push back from obviously the fed speakers weighed on the market a little bit today um but also as you say not really surprising to see a slight pullback we had six days of gains uh from the asx um continuous gains. so that's obviously coming as well off the back of what you know was a pretty lackluster year all in all. So I think it was the last week was the second best week of the year. So when you sort of see that from the market going into sort of year end, when investors are gonna be sort of maybe taking their eye off the ball over the next couple of weeks, no surprise to maybe see a little bit of profit taking sort of coming into the it as well. Um, and yeah, just a, sort of a huge run up. And uh, again, those rate sensitive sectors like real estate sort of really fill in that sort of full effect today. But again, I don't think nothing to really sort of write home about. It was a slight pullback, but nothing more than that. Um, and, and I think really bullish sentiment is sort of continuing to prevail, uh, and may de- do so this week if we see sort of data moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, okay, so what data are you, you know, what do you have front, front and center?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the two main points are obviously going to be U.S. core PCE and then sort of probably locally RBA minutes. But I think the PCE number is probably going to be the one that the market really sort of takes to. Um, It's going to be core PCE. Again, that's the sort of the favored inflation gauge uh, for the Fed. Uh, So, again, that's going to be really in focus. And I think here, if we see that number come close to expectations or even lower than expectations, I think, you know, this sort of euphoria around um rate cuts um and lower rates next year is just sort of, sort of going to continue um and i think you know ultimately the market's going to call the bluff on those fed speakers that, that sort of were talking at the end of last week um you know 65 percent chance we see a cut by by march from the fed maybe that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves we think maybe we sort of look to sort of a little bit later in the year uh, for that so not as early as march but again the market's seeing sort of at least four or five cuts next year at least um you know in the, the federal obviously saying three so that that pce number is going to be really key looking to show about 0.2 percent month over month a uh, year over year down to 3.4 percent so those are the key numbers then with the minutes again i don't think it's going to be anything really surprising coming out of that given that you know a hold was basically what you know the market had anticipated it was a resounding uh, expectation there. but what was the surprise was the slightly dovish tones that we got from Michelle Bullock in the statements uh, in the statement afterwards you know pointing towards progress on inflation pointing towards a peak in wage growth. So I think it'd be really interesting to sort of see into how finely balanced that decision was um, and if there's you know anything that can sort of come from that or give any sort of insight as to what the RBA may be thinking sort of going into to sort of next year
1: okay so there's a lot in there um when you think about next year if we are going to get four six cuts in the u.s then that would imply that there's a pretty sharp turnaround coming for the u.s economy which so far is traveling so good if you look at things like jobs data and wages as well so let's draw the line then between that and corporate profits because again so far corporate profitability It hasn't been terrible. Like, we're not in recessionary territory. We're not really, it doesn't feel, like where we could be to see such an aggressive rate-cutting cycle. So, you know, we've got quarterlies coming in January. When does the penny drop?
2: Yeah, and I think you mentioned sort of that January period, and I think that's going to be really important. The first quarter of 2024, it's it's pretty front-loaded. We've obviously got those Q4 earnings coming through. Obviously, going to see improving U.S. earnings growth there, which uh, I think is something to sort of really keep an eye on. We've also then got um, you know a lot of important data coming through. We've got sort of U.S. elections sort of kicking off over that time as well. But I think really, you know, you sort of mentioned there about some of that data as well. Jobs data, retail sales. You know, none of that data at the moment is sort of calling for a recession. Retail sales on on sort of Friday um, were sort of better than expected as well. Still pretty strong. Consumers still spending. We are obviously going to see sort of slower economies, um, but we think that ultimately businesses should continue to do well. And that's going to come through from the sort of the release in terms of pressure on profit margins coming from lower inflation. But what we do think we're going to start to see happen is we're going to start to see this sort of big rotation from sort of U.S. stocks and big tech towards those interest rate sensitive sectors. The underperformers of this year, so your real estates, bonds, um, they're going to benefit versus sort of cash commodities and, and obviously US dollar assets as well. So we we do see that sort of rotation happening um, maybe towards the, sort of the, the first half, uh, sorry, the sort of the, the end of the first quarter. Um, but we still see the, the, the US economy sort of avoiding a recession, even though, uh, you know, given the where we are, Um, it's gonna be pretty pressed and pretty touch and go uh, as we head through next year.
1: Mm -hmm. And small caps as well.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So again, those that rotation into some of those, um, you know, basically the underperformers of this year, which would include sort of the small caps. But we certainly see, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, weight coming off the top of those magnificent seven names. Look, we still think that they're going to perform well next year. The broader S&P 500, we still do think, you know, does well. uh, But really, we don't think they're going to be leading the growth next year. We don't think they're going to be sort of leading the performance, whereas we do see uh, those rate sensitive sectors like small caps, like real estate and bonds uh, sort of leading the trade next year. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And just just a little bit of a question about Itoro, just for sentiment, because I spoke with, dare I mention one of your competitors anyway, saying the volumes are still really surprisingly strong, you know, because I, I thought that they'd be pretty weak already today, given the holiday period that's coming up. Are you guys seeing a lot of, still a lot of interest in international stocks, U.S. equities in particular? Because again, there's, you know, a, a view that they've sort of, Um, run as hard as perhaps they will?
2: Yeah, look, I I definitely think that sort of US trade is is sort of getting stretched, right? If you look at the S&P 500, we're on seven weeks of gains on the S&P 500. So that trade there I think is, uh, is sort of getting stretched slightly and, and we haven't seen a one percent pullback from the s p 500 since late october so you know again a really really strong run so i think again we're going to see a little bit of profit taking but in terms of uh investors you know they're, they're still bullish they were they were bullish heading into q4 and i think this macro environment that's that's improving is only going to sort of stoke um sort of that that sort of sentiment going into sort of next year as well you know if we look towards other assets such as crypto for example that's what we see our clients most bullish on as we head into sort of next year a lot of catalysts around that um such as the etf acceptance that's potentially going to come through uh, on the 10th of january we have the bitcoin halving so again that was that was the asset class that etoro investors were most bullish on heading into sort of q4 and we see that heading into sort of q1 as well us stocks again still uh, sort of the, the sort of the real dominant focus there. But I think there'll be, you know, I, I think personally we'll, we'll start to see a lot of interest towards that, maybe as we say that rotation, you know, the Australian markets, European markets, I think are gonna get a little bit more love next year. You know, we should start to see a pickup in dividends as, as corporate profits return as well, small caps locally as well. So yes, internationally US has sort of been that trade this year. But as I say, I think we start to see that rotation into next year, and, and, and obviously that's going to be where sort of investors uh, turn to locally as well.
1: Well, I like change. Change is as good as a holiday. Speaking of, hope you have a great one, Josh. And uh, <laughs> thanks, look, thanks Thank for you. everything this year. We'll see you. We'll see you and speak with you next year.
2: My pleasure. See you next year. Take care.
1: See you. Josh Gilbert there from eToro. Let's take a look at these market leaders, because some of them we did touch upon in the corporate news, but we just didn't have time to do them all at Neuron Pharmaceuticals. I told you why. So we've seen that phase two clinical trial just come in swimmingly for Phelan McDermott syndrome. Uh, Elsewhere, though, we didn't sort of mention about Tabcorp. So it's secured a Victorian license that runs for a, a very long time, actually. Um, Yeah, with the CEO saying that the outcome is really positive for shareholders. Core Lithium, we have seen a continuation of, uh, yeah, I guess some positivity around the diversification of its business. Uh, LaVisa in the retail space, it's Christmas. I've done a bit of shopping at LaVisa myself. So there you go. Credit Corp is up by 3%. Um, I'm not really seeing any great news associated with Credit Corp, but it could be be the cycle. And actually, I should say Boss Energy um yeah new bull following its share price pullback so it's uh, boss energy shares coming off it's uh, recent highs jeffries has upgraded boss energy just off that top list i um, taking a look at some of the laggards though and yeah we've got uh, coronado global resources down i can't see any news stock we mentioned that it did buy up those um you know the master plan communities from Lendleys. And uh, I can't see any news really associated with lifestyle communities, but Smart Group as well. Um, Yeah, ceasing to be a substantial holder that's coming from CBA. So uh, keeping our eye on some of those companies as we head toward Tuesday. Small cap leaders and laggards of Vista is up by 20, close to 22%. Pacific Smiles, that's the MA thematic. It did get a bid coming from the company. There might be something more in it as well by 18%. Flipping the page to so the laggards in the small to mid cap space. It's Experience Co giving back some of last week's really solid gains. So down by about 9%. Tonight, we do have some data to get our heads around. Germany, IFO investor confidence, and we get US housing market sentiment from the NFIB. Tomorrow, we do get the RBA minutes, and we get the Bank of Japan monetary policy meeting. So, CMC Markets' Ashley Glover told me that they always are waiting for something coming from Japan. You never really know what's going to happen, so all the traders will be sitting around and waiting for that. Eurozone CPI, US housing starts, and tomorrow we've got that Alchem EGM with a bit of pushback for that Levant merger that did get the support of big U.S. pension funds. Um, week though, week ahead, we get uh, housing starts, as we mentioned, we get existing home sales, but it's really that U.S. PCE data on Friday. We didn't even mention there the Bank of Canada's inflation gonna be BOJ, which we just touched upon. Um, so, yeah, there, there is still some pretty big data coming through. Okay, so, uh, looks it's 4.20, 4.20 here locally, and uh, that is where we get the final figures from the S&P ASX 200. We know that the SIBO Australia Index closed down by about a tenth of a percent. We've got the S&P ASX 200 at 7,426, off by two-tenths of one percent. Right now, and again, I've timestamped this ahead of the European Open. We do have U.S. e-minis, mildly positive. So we'll be watching for every market move tonight. We'll be keeping our ear out if we get any whispers coming from any of those Fed speakers on rates. Rates and what will happen in 2024 will continue to dominate the (laughs) the narrative, not just this week, but I dare say in 2022 as well. Hey, thanks for joining us for the COB. If you've missed anything today, please do catch up online. There's great content there as always. And if not, we'll see you when we're live tomorrow from 9.30. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.